Hi, welcome to Tamiwa Oluen Podcast. Thanks for downloading, and as you listen, you are guaranteed an encounter with the word. Thank you to some Ichile Yoruba. That's how I do my thing. That's how I worship it. You know, during the week, I was at Redemption Camp, and uh, I bought several books I was reading. And this one is about the life and calling of Pastor Deboe. So I was reading the book. And if, I'm, if I tell you something that I saw in that book, some of you will not believe. You know this popular song? Uh, How many of you know this song? Now let me shock you guys this morning. Pastor Adeboye actually wrote the song. Yeah. He wrote the song, uh, I think during the, I think it was 1996 or 1980. I have to go back to the book and check. During the convention of the redeemed. You know every convention he composes a song. So he actually wrote that song. And when I found out, I said, wow. You know, the truth about life is you only sing a song to God that you are convinced about. That's why you don't see me sing any other song. Every song, in fact, ask any gospel artist that composes a song. Many of the time, that song comes from the place of revelation. If somebody says, Olufel, come me. The person understands that only God is the lover of your soul. Not money, not your fiancé, not your wife, not your child, not your accolades, not anything. Only God is the true lover of your soul. So, immediately I saw it in the book, I screamed. I was like, wow. So, this Baba was the one that wrote this song. And you know the funny thing? He hardly sings it. It was just a convention thing. He hardly sings it. I was just, and that's one, that's one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite Yoruba song. That's one of my favorite Yoruba song. So this morning, now, I'm going to be teaching on something, and uh, I, I will try to work with the time allotted to me. And the teaching of this morning is, it's more than likely something you're not used to. Because I'm going to be doing some things that are strange. But I was led by the Spirit of the Lord to teach this on a Sunday like this. If you read First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, First Corinthians chapter 13, from verse 1 to 13. Is there somebody on the screen? First Corinthians chapter 13, from verse 1 to 13. It's a very, very popular scripture. I'm just going to break it. Do we have it on the screen right now? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 from verse 1 to 13. Is somebody on the system? Amen. Let me just read. Are you there? Do you have it in your phones, your Bible? Okay. It says, If I could speak all the language of unhurt and of angels and does not love others, I will only be a noisy gong or a glagging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that could move mountains but does not love others I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could 
boast about it. But if I don't love others, I would have gained nothing. It says love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous, not boastful, not proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It does not rejoice about justice. But rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. Now I'm going to move to the last part which is verse 13. Can we put last 13 on the system please? I want everybody to see it. Please verse 13. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13. I'm going to be waiting for you. I want everybody to say. Can you give it to me in NLT? Don't bring you back. Okay, we only have KJV, right? Okay. I'll read NLT for you. What does it say? Let's read it together. the NLT translation it says three things will last forever faith hope and love and the greater of this is what love now give me first John chapter 4 verse 7 to 12 I'm intentionally starting with scriptures so you get what I'm talking about first John chapter 4 verse 7 to 12 first John chapter 4 verse 7 okay it says beloved Let's love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth what? Verse 8. He that loveth, not knoweth not God, for God is what? Verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Verse 10. Hearing his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sin. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to do what? Verse 12. No man as what? If we love one another, what does it say? And his love is perfected in us. Give me 13. Oh, there's something. Yeah. Yeah, 13. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he is in us because he has given us of his spirit. What I want to teach this morning is what I've titled the highlight of love. The highlight of love. Now somebody might be like, oh, Pastor tomorrow wants to talk about love and all that. You, you get where I'm going. Get where I'm going. And it's something strange. You've probably even never seen a speaker or a pastor go this dimension before I need to let you know this morning that religion has painted the wrong picture of God to a lot of us religion has painted the wrong picture of God and its extension of love to all of us permit me to also say that some spiritual leaders, pastors, bishops apostles, prophets some of them are yet to understand the full dimension of God's love. They are only giving you a face 
that they know. A good example is this. If I'm going to introduce this brother right here to you, I will tell you all that I know about him. True or false? And does that complete everything that makes him? You know, somebody else might know him and tell you some things about him that will be different from what I will say. Does that make what I said invalid? It means the person has a higher dimension of understanding of him. But if he decides to tell us who he really is, do you know it will make everything that we else have said about him to be absolute? Because he will speak from the understanding of who he thinks he is. And to be honest with you, if he is going to be as truthful as he can be, he will tell you who he really is. And he won't have to lie. So I say to you this morning, a lot of pastors are pastors, prophets. They've told you certain things about God. Even religion has told you certain things about God. That's not the complete version of God. The complete version of God is what I'm going to show you right here in the scripture. God's love to mankind, just like you read in the scripture, it's not conditional. Somebody needs to take note of that. Religion makes you feel like God's love is conditional. Just like I said to the giants, the, uh, the, the, the workforce this morning. That you come to church very early. That you're in the choir. That you're in the ocean department. That you're in the prayer team department. That you're the one that cleans the church. It does not equate to your love for God. And does not equate to God loving you in that dimension. It does not equate to God blessing you. So to say. As a matter of fact, your service in the church is not to please God. Your service in the church will not make God bless you. Because if God is blessing people based on what they do in church, some people will not be at the level where they are right now. There are old women that wash the toilets of the church every morning. They've been doing it for years. And we are still the same persons. We are still the same people that give them money after service. Has their life changed? I hear there is somebody who is not even a church worker, but is the one financing the church. So is somebody going to say, oh, Pastor Tomorrow, so that means I should not work in church? And I'm not saying that. God's love to mankind is not based on your performance. I speak in tongues. You read it in the scriptures. I speak in tongues. I speak other languages. You know, some people don't just speak in tongues anymore. They now speak language of angels. I think it was just in the face of three, five years, a lot of Christians got exposed to chants. I mean, if you have heard that word before, a lot of music ministers now, when they are releasing their song, they'll put a chant version. Everybody's coming up with that. I have nothing against it. But after chanting, as a matter of fact, I need to let you know this morning, chanting is of angels. That's why I said in one of the services, angels don't talk, they chant. They give you a message. Chanting is a message. Do you understand? Chanting is a message you have to decode. So, after chanting in everything you've done and love is missing, it's a waste of time. After praying in tongues and love is missing, it's a waste of time. I'm teaching this morning what I've titled the highlight of love. And I came prepared. I came prepared. 
God's love to mankind is not in response to your performance in or outside the church. But it's in response to your understanding of the lover. That's why I gave a description earlier. You have to understand who God is before you can experience his love. Or before you can enjoy this love that has been extended to you. God's love to mankind is not tribalistic. That's why do ne never let anybody bamboozle you and make you feel like God is speaking directly to the pastor and making every other person absolute. No. God's love is not gender based. It's not. It's not. God's love is extended to all. To all. To all that is willing to understand them. Can we put Ephesians 3 verse 14 to 19? Like I said, I can't prepare because I'm taking you somewhere. And I just hope you get it. I hope you get it. Somebody's going to go back home and start dissecting everything I've said. Can we put Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14? I need the person on the system to be really, really fast because I need to, I need to hit this. Ephesians 3 14. Okay. Okay, so we're going to 19. Just stay right there. I said, God's love is not tribalistic. It's not gendered by us. God's love is extended to all. And like I said earlier, a religion has painted the wrong picture of God and the extension of his love to mankind because God's love is in faces. There is a height of God's love. There is a breadth of God's love. There is a width of God's love. There's a length of God's love. If all you've understood so far is the depth of his love, there is something about the height that you are yet to understand. I just gave you four faces. If all I know about this brother is that he loves Gary, then I will not know the part that says this brother gives out money to people for free. Because I'm so used to the part that he loves Gary. So that's the only dimension of him that I know. Then if somebody comes to me and says, Ah, that brother, do you know him? Ah, yeah, I know him. I know he loves Gary so much. Ah, no, he always give out money. Then I have to go and figure out that part of him that I don't know. But religion as church, they've made us believe that it's performance. It's performance that makes us to get entitled to this love. Let's read Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. Let's read together. For this cause, this is Paul talking here. For this cause, I do what? I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 15. This will have to be fast. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is what? His name. Read 16. That it would grant you. Just take it slowly. I want you to, that's, that's, why, that's why in this church, I want to do my best as a pastor to expose you to the truth. And not just hear for yourself. See things for yourself. Now let's read together with understanding that it would what grant you according to what the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by what in inner man the spirit where inside of you. Let's read seventeen that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye been rooted and what. 18. 
may be able to comprehend with all saints what is what? Let's read it out loud. The what? Go back to 18. The what? Let me hear you say it out loud. The what? The what? The what? And what? 19. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye may be filled with what? Many of us are not filled with the fullness of God because we only know one side. Go back to 18. I think it's 18, 18 or 17. Go back to it. Yeah. 18, 18, 18. This is where somebody has stopped and he thinks he knows all about God. Imagine a pastor of 40-something years in ministry and he focuses on this part. Those are the ones that make you believe that if you are not punctual in church, God can bless you. Those are the ones that make you believe that when we declare 40 days of prayer and fasting in church, it is the length of what you do that makes God to bless you. Somebody else stopped here. The length. And what is that person going to tell you in ministry? It is your loyalty to your pastor that will make God bless you. There's somebody else who stopped here. This one is life-threatening. That's the light. In fact, many ministers are on this path. The depth. And I will explain the depth to you. My sister, you had a child out of wedlock. You are going to hell. You had a child out of wedlock. You are a sinner. We can't wait you in the church. Choir master, you slept with someone in the choir. We are suspending you. Leave the church. Many of the secular artists you see, majority of them started from the church. And to be honest with you, many of them are not even thinking of going back. But can I shock you with something? When they want to pay their tithe, they don't pay to church. They pay to the pastor. And that's the same pastor that sent them out of the church. Then the pastor is now struggling to bring the person back into the church. Sometimes it's too late. Because those kind of people have committed themselves into things that is hard to bring them out from. This debt, that's the one that they scare people most with. That's why when you meet some people on the street and they are preaching the gospel to you, their major line, their major marketing strategy. My brother, if you die today, you are going to hell. How did you know? Because they make the depth of God's love look like a life-threatening situation. And see where the scripture stops here. There's, a, in, there's an intention why the scripture put the height as the last one. Because when you understand the height of God's love, you've got into a level where you've come to understand who God is. You've got into a level to understand who God is. Intentionally showed you that. Intentionally showed you that. That's the breadth. That's the length. 
That's the depth. That's the height. I want you to know this four. Because when you understand this four, it helps your relationship with God gets better. Just I'm 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 trying I'm trying to I'm trying to control myself before before I, I, I you know because I, I I want this thing to really 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 settle. There is a very very popular disease. It's called dyslexia. It's a funny disease. Some of you have heard about it. It makes you read things backward. How many of you have heard of that disease before? How many? Let me see here. It makes you read things backward. Yeah. The per- you, you can literally write God on the screen. The person is saying dog. It's a disease. It's real. That is what the depth. Or let me put it this way. That's what the misunderstanding of the depth of God's love has done to some people. Misunderstanding of the depth. That's what has done to some people. And I'll give you a very good example. Can we put John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. 1 John chapter 3, verse... 1 John 2, 3 to 5. Like I said, I came prepared. I intentionally prepared this note. And I put a lot of scripture so you don't say, Pastor Tomah is just talking from his head. So I want you to take note of the scriptures. Go back home and dissect it for yourself. And you say the truth. 1 John chapter 2, from verse 3 to 5. Okay, let's read it. He says, read it. Now we'll see... If any one of us here has that disease or not, I'll show you something. And hereby we know that if we what? If I will explain this in you guys, go back, go back, go back. If I will explain this in the way you guys see it, and I hope you guys will be honest with me. Your interpretation of that scripture right now will be there is a proof that we know God. Right? When we do what? That's not what the scripture is saying there. Read it again for yourself. And hereby, we do know that we know him. If we what? Go to verse 4 and I'll take you back to verse 3. He that said, I know him, and keepeth not his commandment is what? And what? Take us back to verse 3. And you see this for yourself. Read that scripture again. Read it one more time. Read it loud, loud. The real interpretation of that scripture is that keeping his commandment is clear proof that you know God. But many of us have been reading it that the way we can show that we know God is what? Is when we keep his commandment. That's why I mentioned that disease earlier. Did somebody get, did somebody get what I'm saying? I really want you to understand. That's what the society, that's what religion has painted to you. Let me show you another scripture. This one will help you better. Can you give me John chapter 14 verse 15? John 14 verse 15. I'm almost getting to where God wants me to get to. John 14 verse 15. Please, we have to be fast. We have to be fast. John 14 verse 15. Now, read this. Read this. 
Read it very well. Read it one more time. Who can interpret that scripture for me? I'll give somebody the mic. Who can interpret that? What's your understanding of this? Before I tell you the true meaning of that. Be bold. Just be, be bold. Who can do that? I'll give you the mic. It looks like a Bible study class, but I'm heading somewhere. Who can interpret that? Let's do it. Don't be shy. I'll give you the mic. You can? Go ahead. Say that if you truly love me, you will keep my commandments. How many of you agree with her? How many of you agree with her? You want to try? Okay. Um, I think this verse is, talk, is saying that if you really love God, eh, then you have to do what he commands. Exactly what he commands. If you love me, keep my commandments. As boldly as this is written, what the scripture is trying to really tell us here. Shall I say? If you love me, keep my commandment. Not as just as it's written. What the scripture is saying there is that keeping my commandment is proof that you love me. See what the church has painted. So they make you believe that, ah, brother John, the only way you can show that you love God, you have to keep his, no. Keeping his commandment, doing his will, is clear proof that you love God. And now I'm about to hit where it's taking me to. I've been able to dissect that. So next time when you are reading scriptures, read with clear understanding. I was a prisoner to this thing before. You know what this does for you? You tell yourself all the time, ah! How many of you grew up in homes where when you just give your life to Christ, that's the day your mom will say, go and tell the person I said, I'm not at home. How many of you did, who happened, who did that happen to? Your mom will say, go and tell that person I'm not at home. And you say, mommy, I cannot lie. Or the day you just give your life to Christ, that friend that you are trying to stay away from, that's when the person shows up. Then you start struggling with this. You start struggling. You start struggling. Whereas what the scripture is saying here is keeping my commandments, doing my will, is proof that you love me. It is not, Lord, I want to love you, so I will keep your commandments. And one of the best ways, now I'm hitting where it wants me to go to, just like I might just stress service a little bit, one of the best ways to respond to this love is commitment and what? Responsibility. Tell the person where I say, say commitment and responsibility. And funny enough, for this Sunday, he wants me to dwell more on the responsibility aspect, not the commitment. I'll still teach about the commitment, maybe next Sunday. Because commitment is loyalty and all that stuff. But responsibility is what he wants me to dwell on for this Sunday. And I really want you to get this. Because it's going to be dramatic very soon. Edwin Hart said something. I'm going to read it for you. He said, a man who does things without being told 
is the one that draws the most wages. When you see anybody in an organization that is overpaid above others, he's doing something extra. That's why I always tell people that work with me, God will never compensate your effort. Is your result. Have this at the back of your mind. For most of you that think, ah, pastor, before I came to church, bike eat me. As I was coming, rain fell. I ran back. I forgot the key. Just because you wanted to come and put on the TV. How you got the TV to this place is not the concern of God. That the TV is working is his concern. If you live on this system, your life will be better. Because many of us are waiting for people to applaud us for the efforts we make. And God never appreciates effort. If God was to appreciate effort, should I be honest with you, nobody will go to FIR. Because at some point in some people's life, some people are good. Can I be honest? And ham robber that goes to every house and kills people, but goes to a particular house and did not kill anybody. Is he not a good man? No, let's be honest. Let's be honest. He wastes bullet every operation. But this particular one, he did not waste bullet. He just took the thing and left. Have you heard robbers who say, they're about to cooperate below Be fine. He's a good man. Because before, from where he's coming from, he's been trained to kill. But that he didn't kill you at this operation. In fact, you should, you should cook for him and say, thank you, sir. If God was to look at efforts, then nobody would go to hell. You think Satan was not good before? Can we be honest? Satan was good. Satan was good. Satan was good. He, he made good efforts. Even the scripture tells us in Job, there are meetings that are held in heaven and Satan is there. Satan is there. Wisdom church ill. That's why I told you I prepared this note. I had to do all my research well. Winston Churchill said, I want you to write this down. He said, the price of greatness is responsibility. The price, the tool for greatness is responsibility. Now I'm saying this to you as Pastor Tomo of the Avenation Church. Only a responsible child would enjoy the promises of the Father. Don't say that again. Only a responsible child would do what? Would enjoy the promises of the father. And today, we have come to realize that our church is filled with a lot of irresponsible Christians and unconcerned pastors. That's why I said, in THN church, I will do my best to expose people to the truth. Not the truth that... I just know and just want to say but the truth that I live on. There's something I do for my spiritual father and it was like, oh, each time I see him, I'm like, dad, anytime you want me to travel to the US to get this thing done for you, I'm ready to go. And he would be telling me, he said, Tomo, I know, I know your heart. I know you want to do this thing but your church just started. At least for the next six months, don't travel. He said, for the next six months, don't travel. I have people here that can bear me witness. So for the next six months, stay with them. Build these people. They are your family. Build them. It's left to me. If he calls me now, I'll step out of that place and go and do what he asked me to do. Because I know my responsibility as a son. 
Our church today is filled with too many lazy Christians. And they have pastors that are less concerned. Responsibility should be the trademark of every Christian. Say that again. Responsibility should be the trademark of every Christian. Stop waiting for them to spoon feed you. Stop waiting for them to feed you. I saw this online and I'm just going to read it out. It says responsibility. <laughs> this, is, this is amazing. In fact, when I was doing my research and preparing the note, I was just excited. It says responsibility is the possibility of opportunities to create a fulfillment. Responsibility is the possibilities of opportunities to create what? A fulfillment. There is a height of responsibility that brings about fulfillment. That's why it goes back to that scripture we read. There is a height of God's love. It brings about what? The fullness of God into your inner man. So if you decide to just stop at the breath, you decide to stop at the depth, you are not doing yourself any favor. Because it's the height that brings the fullness. That's why I said only a responsible child enjoys the promises of the Father. A responsible Christian is the one that prioritizes God's business above every other thing. When the instruction came for me to leave the U.S. and come down to Nigeria, I did not. I, I, yeah, I fought it for some time. I fought it. But at some point, it dawned on me. If you are about your father's business, you will leave your comfort zone for anything. That's why Jesus said, if you love me and you want to do my will, you will forsake what? Father or mother. I'm not saying you should go home now and pack your things out of your parents' house. I'm not saying that. But the moment there you're putting the love of Christ with your comfort and your comfort weighs more, there is a problem. That means you're not a responsible child. That means you're not a responsible Christian. And today, like I said, our church is filled with too many irresponsible Christians. The work is not in your service. The work is in the love. A responsible Christian is the one that looks for opportunity. Get this, get this, get this. And that's where I'm going. A responsible Christian is the one that looks for opportunity to extend and expand the kingdom of God. And can I say this to shock you? The reason why your level has not changed is because you are not responsible enough. Someone might be like, oh, Pastor Tomorrow, why are you eating us like this this morning? It's the truth. Your finance has not changed. You are still battling with your health. You don't know the way to go about life. It's because you are not responsible enough. Because responsibilities will create the avenue for a fulfillment. A responsible Christian is one that is passionate about the Father's work. 
passionate does not mean that it stops you from running your day-to-day activities. But passionate about the God's work, passionate about your father's business means that I would rather go down for this thing to go down. I'll give you three things that qualifies one to be a responsible Christian. And I want you to take note of this. A responsible Christian is a soul winner. You've been a Christian for five years. You've been a Christian for seven years, but you've not won a single soul. You are so irresponsible. It's the truth. Ah, Pastor Tomar, there's no one to talk to. Everyone I meet, they're already Christian. It's not possible. If you were here with me yesterday when we went to share flyers and all of that stuff, uh, like I told them when I came back, the first person I met outside at the door no, downstairs, down the road, there was this uh, POS shop just down the road there. I was hoping maybe the person will be in church today, but I'll reach him after service. I was a Muslim. And right there at the spot, he gave his life to Christ. And while I was praying for him, he said two things. He said, I can't remember anything again. He said, I feel fresh. He was like, what did you do to me? And just yesterday, I told them, those who are here, I said, God literally set me up yesterday because everybody I was meeting on the road yesterday they were all Muslims I didn't meet a single Christian I didn't meet and like I told them yesterday is the first time in my life that I would go on the street to evangelize I don't do street evangelism yesterday was my first time as a pastor I do social media evangelism I can see you one-on-one I can meet you in an hotel and talk to you we can be in a restaurant and I'll just talk to you about Christ somebody can bring you to me but for me to go on the street I've not done that one before now, I'm going to say this. Permit me, I'm, I have to stretch the service a little bit. Somebody was complaining about great men of God, you know, buying jets. This man of God, he has money. There was a man, there's, there's a great man of God. He's a father of a faith that I respect so much. You know, he said, I can never be broken in my life. It, it's not an understatement. He's saying the fact. Because by the time I studied his schedule and his routine, this is a man that every Saturday is always on the street of Songwater preaching the gospel without escort. Pastor Deboya is 78. I was talking about him when I went to Songwater. Pastor Deboya is 78. He still goes about from cities to city, villages to villages, teaching people and winning souls. We don't have an excuse. We're 78 here. We're 78. And somebody say, oh, there, there, are no win, there, 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 there are no souls to win. It's not possible. It's not possible. There are souls everywhere. How many of you take Uber? How many of you take bike? Let's start with bike. How many of you take bike on a daily basis? Let's be honest. Are those bike men Christians? Let's be honest. Are those bike men Christians? Majority of the bikers here in Ibadan, so to say. I didn't know who's that man. Who's that man? They're Christians. But rather than you talk about Christ with a bike man, you are arguing the change and the price with a bike man. Get back and you do the run, or you do the run, or you do the run, or my change. Oh. Some of you take Uber. Have you discussed? Have you had God's talk with people? A responsible Christian is a soul winner. When I look at the lives of those fathers of faith, see, they are not trying to show off. It's not that they are jobless. These men are grandfathers, they can stay at home with their grandkids. 
the kind of resources that Bishop Oedebo controls, none of us can even control 1% of it. This man has, how many universities I think he has? I think he has two or three. Do you know what it takes to be a pro-chancellor of a university? Ordinary class rep, my neck almost went off. They put one of us here, say you are the class rep of this class. You almost, you, you almost say I'm not doing this thing in the second semester. What is a pro-chancellor? You are, you, are, you are overseeing a whole lot of things. Overseeing a university that this thing will not run down. Do you know how many branches of winners they have? Pastor Debe will literally tell you the numbers of redeemed churches they have in the world. Bishop Francis Waleoke down there in Ibadan will tell you that every Sunday he gets cumulative reports of every member that comes to church. Their welfare, first-timers, new believers, everything on a Sunday basis. You think it's just piling up files? So they have things as excuses to be busy about. Then we are just here. We just come in on a Sunday. I came to church. Just sit down. And you're fine as a Christian. It's lack of responsibility. I used to say this when I was in secondary school when I gave my life to Christ. I think I still said it when I was in university. If there is an unbeliever in your family, the issue is not God, it's you. It's the truth. If any of your friends are still unbeliever, you are the devil in their midst. Because if truly you are a light, your light should have shined on those people. You should not be satisfied with that friendship until you have got them to enjoy the relationship you are enjoying. And that brings me to ask every one of us in this place a question. Are we really sure that we are a Christian? Are we really sure? Are we really sure? Because if this love of God is truly deposited in your heart, you'll be concerned about somebody whose life is perishing. Number two, a responsible Christian is a prayer machine. A responsible Christian is a prayer machine. Oh, I'm a child of God. Uh, my mom prays for me. My dad prays for me. I pray once in a while. You are not a Christian. You are not responsible enough. And number three, is the part that the drama is about to happen. And I'm not saying this because the church started, but I'm giving you the truth. A responsible Christian is a giver. What did I say? A responsible Christian is a giver. This morning when I was coming to church, there is a big standing fan in my living room. A very big one. I think I bought it for uh, yesterday. Somebody was with me at Food Co, right? Yeah. What was the price of that standing fan? 46000 The one in my house is times two of that ceiling fan. So the price should be like about 70 something, 80 something thousand. And every time I look at the fan, I'm like, this thing's too big for my living room. Because if I put on that fan to just number one, it has one, two, three, and zero. Number one alone, the frames on the wall, they're shaking. And I was told that if you want the fan to be stationary, you have to unbolt un something on the top. So I said to myself, I said, this thing does not belong here. I need to get another one. And the Holy Spirit said, I was thinking of taking it back to where I bought it and exchange it. And the Holy Spirit said to me, no, you are giving it to a church. Just this morning as I was coming, I drove past the church. And I dropped the fan there. 
And I gave it to the person. I met a woman in front of the church. I had to call and call and call. Then somebody showed us. She said she's a member of the church. And I dropped the fan there. And just as I entered my car, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, you have done well. A responsible Christian is a giver. If you cannot drop anything for God, you are not truly a Christian. If God can drop his son for you to embrace life, nothing should be too big for you to drop. I'm being honest. Some of us think this giving is all about money. No. A great man of God here in Ibadan, Bishop Francis Wale, okay, I'll use him as an example. God told them, burn all your certificate. And the man did. Pastor Deboye to the same thing. Burn all your certificates. So there is no link for you to say you are going back. And they burnt it. Who is here that can burn NYSE certificate? Talk less of your main certificate. Let's be honest. We are so used to churches where they talk about giving. So the first thing that comes to your mind is money. I didn't give the church money. I gave them a fan. I was telling them at Foco yesterday. I said, I can literally, if God says drop your phone for someone, I'll drop it. And I'm speaking from the place of experience. I was in a church at Christ Embassy where I was serving. And he told me, he said, this is your camera. Drop it for the church. I said, ah, ah, Abba, when the church has their own camera, why would I drop my camera? My brothers and sisters, it was not up to two minutes. My camera stopped working. Till today, I took the camera back to Canon. They said they can't fix it camera stopped working. I intentionally brought the camera from the US to Nigeria so that when I have kids, I'll be showing them. I say, this camera is punishment. Are you telling me Canon cannot fix the camera that they did by themselves? But they could not just understand it. Somebody outgave all his fathers. Do you know what God did? God did not send an angel to communicate with him. That's the person you know in the Bible, Solomon. God had to visit Solomon himself and say, what do you want? The challenges with a Christian today is that the first thing that comes to our mind about giving is money. Can I be honest with you? What else will you give if it's not money? If God say, cut your hand, how many of you can cut it? Can we be honest? We are all Christians here. If he says, cut your hand, who can cut it? Ordinary, if it's your high that will make you go to hell, pluck it out. Some of us cannot. We rather we expect. I've seen guys that will tell you, I'll give my life to Christ over this haircut. I know they cut them off. I'm being honest. That's the problem we have in our society. That's why I said religion has, has crippled many people. Pastors have, so faith pastors have crippled people. Even society, social media has crippled people. You join the bad wagon of saying, oh, pastors are making money. They are collecting tithe and offering. They are doing this and that. The question is, what else will you give in church? They say, bring your TV in your house. Can you bring it? Let's be honest. I told them when they were buying the screen, I said, if it's for me to remove all the TVs in my house, I have two TVs in my house. One in my room and one in the living room. I said, for me to remove the two and bring it to church, I'll bring it. There is nothing I cannot give God. I was driving my car one day when I, I think it was when I was going home. And the Spirit said to me, if I need this car, can you drop it? I said, yes. That's a 4.3 million car. I'll drop it and go back to Uber. 
I'm being honest. I'm not saying this to you because I'm a pastor. I'm telling you the truth. That's what God has used to preserve some people. My grandmother today is 85. And one of the things the Holy Spirit told me about her is that despite the fact that our relationship with God is not fully as balanced as it should be. Not that my grandmother is doing anything funny. But you know, you know, I mean, have you know Anglican Church? You know the way they do their thing. They believe once you take communion, you drop money for this, you join this society, they call you for burial, they call you for waiting. That shows you are a Christian. So that's our own definition of Christian. The only prayer they pray there is Psalm 91, Psalm 95. Holy Spirit said to me one time, he said, this woman will enjoy long life. He said, because she has outgiven in places where he did not expect her to give. My grandmother is a giver to the core. To the core, my grandmother will give food, she'll give money, she'll give clothes. I'm not supposed to say this here, but I'm just gonna say it for somebody to understand. My, my dad was in a little trouble one day. My grandmother sold her car. She could have just said it's not my business. It's just the truth. And this is the part I'm dwelling on today. I'm sorry, I'm going to be stretching it, but I really want you to understand this. Somebody might say, ah, Pastor, I really, really want to give. But my account balance is five naira. Give that five naira. I'm being honest with you. One of the principles at which God changes people's life is the dimension of your giving. The dimension of your giving. And I'm not saying this so that we can, I can get you to start dropping. No. I don't need. I don't. I don't need it. I was telling someone. I said it's too late for them to say I'm. I'm. In, I'm, I'm using church money to live my life because we just started and I already got a. We just started. I got my place. So you can't say it's church money. And now this is where the drama happens. Every time you see this, you get the envelope. How I many of you see the link there? Check it. You see the link. It says every nation slash give. When we were running the online church, this link was originally linked to my bank account. So every time they put money there, I, I create a, a particular section for it. So I divert all the money there. And now the Holy Spirit asked me to do this. And that's because of the last part of what I'm teaching. And I close. I'm going to show you something. I'm one pastor that's going to be transparent with the church in the best way I can. And I will always expose you guys to the truth. Don't fall for that gimmicks that pastors live on offering and tithe. I beg you in the name of God. And even if they do, I'll show you a scripture where the scripture says the ministers of the gospels eat from where? From the gospel. From the pulse of the gospel. So if that has crippled your giving, if that has crippled your heart to give, because that's, how shows, that's, that's what shows how, how responsible you are as God's child, when you can give without looking back. From day one that they started the THN church, I think my PA is at the back there. This has been all the envelopes that has been given to me after service of everybody's giving. Is my PA there? Mavi, please come, come in. God, want me, God, God wants me to do this. He wants me to do this. Can you hold on to this? 
and uh, bring out each envelope. Unless I, how many Sundays have we had so far? We've had three days of glory, right? We had one Sunday. We had uh, three Sundays in January, right? I believe so. Okay, so bring bring them out. Sure. Okay, this is uh hold on a second. I I want the three days. This is three days of glory, right? Okay. Now this is three days of glory, the offering. You know, I said earlier, I said that link is linked to my account, right? So right now, the ministry doesn't have a bank account. We are opening it right very soon before, I think by March, it should be ready because uh, we had to go through EFCC stuff and all that stuff. But the church is registered on the CSE. Now, this is, what, what, what do you see here? 15th to 17th, January, 2021. This is everything that was given. Do you think as a pastor, I shouldn't have taken out of this? Can we talk? Let's talk. You think as a pastor I shouldn't have taken out of this? It's right here. Intact. I'm helping somebody right now. This is the next Sunday, right? This is 24th January, 2530. Right here. Give me the next one. This is 31st of January. See? How much is it? 2,410. It's right there. This is uh, 7th of February. 6,100. Right there. See? This one was uh, <coughs> February 14th, last Sunday. Right there. This lives in my house ever since they did it. I have not touched it. And to the glory of God, as this church grows bigger and bigger, I would have no reason to touch, to touch church money. I'm setting myself as an example to let you know there are pastors that would not touch it. But can we be honest with ourselves? We've not touched any of this. Have you seen any changes if you've been coming here from day one? Can you? To rent this place on a Sunday is 80,000 error. And we have not touched any of this. And when I told you I came to Nigeria, I told you I came what? With what? Almost nothing. Can I be honest with you? If God gives you a work to do, He will bless it. If God gives you a work to do, what did I say? He will bless it. Now, if God plants you in a place where He's working, if you are responsible enough, you would commit yourself to that place so that when God is blessing the place, you are a part of it. All the top rich guys in winners today, they were those that sold their things for winners to be where they are today. But today as I'm talking to you, I think winners is the only church. If you go to Christ Embassy, you can, you can literally tell that somebody is rich. How many of you have been to Christ Embassy before? You, when you see someone, you can tell the person is rich. Like, ah, this, one, this one get money. But you know winners, the usher that is cleaning your chair can be a billionaire. 
<laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I was shocked. The guy that was in my room in Babcock, this guy does not only, you know, my own father will still struggle to pay one year and say, let me pay for this semester. Next semester, remind me, I'll pay the money. This guy paid two years straight. And when I asked him, I said, ah, I found out. He said, ah, winners. His dad comes to school almost every week to give him 50K, 60,000, 100, pocket money. This guy's father is an usher at winners. Usher. You know how big winners is? How many of you have been to winners, Otter? You've been there? You know how big it is? Wait, let, let, let me shock you. Have you seen the way they acquire a dress? I'm not trying to talk down the church. Oh. I love winners so much. Oh. You want to compare the way they acquire dresses with the way other mega churches acquire dress? You know the difference is far. You see they are white. Oh, they, oh. they have this particular color they wear that looks like Ghana, this thing. They've been wearing that thing for years. When I followed Mommy Tokpalabi to uh, Shiloh, and I sat with the choirs, I sat at the back, and I saw this man. I said, ah, choir. White, yeah, the white, you can literally see map all over. Brown, yellow, everything. But when this man was standing up, like after service, where, where's my khaki? You know my khaki still has key. Son brought out a remote Lexus, and I looked at myself. I said, Tomorrow, God punish that your thought. Because then I did not even have a car. This was Shiloh, December. That kind of person can pay your school fees. Tell you. Bishop, when he did every Sunday, what does he wear? It's not the white suit. Think he doesn't have other suits. He does. has changed in this place. A lot of things I told you every Sunday you come, you see new things. A lot of things are changing. And we never had the touch of this. Just to let you know that God will prosper the work. I beg in the name of God, if you are following any of those people on social media that talks about offering tithes and all of that stuff, unsubscribe from their channel. Unsubscribe from their channel. I'm telling you the truth as a pastor today them that he frees all those kind of people I'm sorry I'm mentioning names because the question I want to ask you is if it's not your money you are dropping for the propagation of the gospel what else will you drop? you want to cut your beards? No, let's be honest let's be honest with ourselves is it your t-shirt you want to drop? I was in the church one day somebody dropped the shoe and other people are dropping money. They just push the shoe to one side. Because what would they do with the shoe? I guess they'll sell your shoe. They probably sell the same one there. And the other part I'm going to say is this. How many of us here can go to Afghanistan to preach the gospel? Be honest. Let's not even answer. Zambiza Forest. Who can go there to preach the gospel? Saturday we had street evangelism. How many people came out? Let's be honest. But do you know what your money does? Your money 
riches, the right hand, and the gospel. And they fund those things. And they pay for people to go to those places to teach them the gospel. Do you know what you have done? You are the one that actually preached the gospel to those people. Because it was your money the person used to buy tickets to go. Just like somebody was talking about men of God buying jets. So my question is, should they queue at the airport like regular people and miss the program? You know the funny thing? The funny thing, as I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up, you know the funny thing? They play with our head and we think they are doing us a favor. It's the truth. Social media, all those critics, they play with your head and you think they are doing you a favor. But you know what they are doing? They are keeping you in that same cage that you ought to have come out from. Keeping you in that same cage you ought to have come out from. Go and read the scriptures. Go and read the scriptures. One of the biggest tools to fund the gospel is money, your resources, your time. So, how will somebody tell you don't give? And the person is intentionally making you irresponsible. The person is denying you of the blessings that you should receive. Make up your mind from this day as I've exposed you to this truth. That's the height of love. The real height of love is when you do everything possible to ensure that somebody else is saved. That's the, that's the, that, that, that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's the height of my message this morning. The real height of love is that I will give whatever it takes for this brother to be saved. I cannot talk to him. I can't preach to him. But I will drop whatever it takes. I will pray that this brother is saved. Don't be surprised if things, if my finances goes to another level. Because I heard it in the car loud and clear. After I dropped the fan, I said, you have done well. It's just a fan. That's a fan. You hear some of the people that came here when we started the church, they were like, your pastor is a giver. I give. I give. I give. I give anything. Anything. Not because of the cliche that they say you don't take anything to heaven. I give for somebody's life to be better. I give. My family has been on my neck. Ah, this place is too expensive. 80,000 every Sunday. Can you survive it? I said, just watch. Just watch. God forbid if the day comes we can't pay this day. I put, I put anything I put it on sale just to make sure that service runs here now I didn't have this teaching to make you feel like there's no money in Pastor Tomoa's account anymore no there's still good amount of money in my account and God is blessing me God is blessing you too somebody say amen I might not have a teaching like this before uh, again, but I'm telling you the truth. Don't let anybody deny you of God's blessing that could come your way. Your responsibility as a child of God, your responsibility as a Christian is to give to ensure that the work of your father does not go down. Is there anybody here that their mom has a shop or has an office or a company? How many of you have a family business or something? You do? Your mom has a shop? 
right? So they tell you that Nepa wants to cut the light of your mom's shop. And all your mom is owing Nepa is 1.5. And you have the 1.5. Will you drop it? Huh? Why would you drop it? Speak out, speak out loud. For a business, and you don't want them to cut the line. Now there is somebody who is bigger than your mom and bigger than your father. Will you afford to see his work go down? So remove yourself from those people that talk about men of God. Remove yourself from people that talk about giving and tithe and offering. Remove yourself and tell yourself, I will give. Till I see God in glory. Can I get an amen to that? And the topmost responsibility of a Christian is centered around giving. Giving of your life, giving of your time, giving of your resources, giving of your wealth, and giving whatever you think that you can give to God. And I'm closing with this as we stand up. A true Christian is a lifetime giver. A true Christian is a lifetime giver. A true Christian is an unrepentant giver. Let's be on our feet. Some of you didn't prepare for a sermon like this. Some of you are probably expecting something else. But I just had to tell you the truth. I had to tell you the truth. Somebody will go back home today with a new mentality. That's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it works. I say this God work will not go down. See, as you are going out today, look for churches that are lacking things. I've been in service. The pastor of that church has been calling me. I didn't pick. Intentionally, I did not even want to know the pastor. I just want to drop the phone and go. Look for churches and give. Look for your friends that are lacking in things. Give. I think I'm one of those pastors that don't, I don't, my closet is not filled with too many stuff. No. It's just a give. Just a give. Give. Giving is the secret. That's the secret. It's the secret. This is not the. Uh, this goes beyond all those beggars are challenging that you are giving 20, 20 naira, 30 naira. Give. Give to God. Visit you and say, How far now? Solomon gave a thousand pound offering. God did not send angels, He visited Him Himself. Visited Him Himself. That's the level I want to give, get to. That's the level I want to get to. I was still in Nigeria years back. I'm going to lead us to pray now. Years back. I pay people school fees. When these guys were sharing flyers and I was going to some street, a lot of people on that street were like, we know this guy now. And these are people I've never spoken to. I just grew up in the street. Never spoke to them. I release. Some, some of you, you hold on to change. They will give you 15 hour change. Say, give me a change. Give me a change. too small. It's not by your account balance. It's the heart. It's the heart. It's the heart. 
One time I was having drama Riaza, and this particular guy said, I will scatter his Riaza there. The guy used to smoke weed and all that. So I had all those guys around me. So the guy had to gather some talks around Rita Chalen. There were like five or seven of them. They were coming to the Riaza, coming to beat me. So many guys said, Tanya, because I sent the guy away from the ministry. I said, You cannot be in this ministry. You cannot be doing weed in this kind of place. So the guy came with talks. They were there. They all came. And I was in the Riaza. My manager came and I said, my guy, these ones they go, these ones go chop you, they go beat you. I said, me, beat me. So I stepped out. I was just courageous, not that I could beat those guys. And as I stepped out, all those guys looked at me and said, Oh, mama, did you molele? Ah, guy, go say to your mother with this guy. We know if you touch this guy. And all of them went. The guy was disappointed. Those guys came to like, ah, say, Baba, we know if we touch you. Nobody touch you. you don't, there's a statement they always say, say you don't wet ground for boys. They can't touch you. Believe you me, if I was not wetting ground for them, they would beat me black. Beat me. There are some seeds you sow today, it's for the future. There are some seeds you sow to you sow today. You won't have to fight some battles. You will not. I'm telling you the truth. This is not, ah, pastor, I don't have a job. When I have a job, I'll start giving. Okay, you're pastor now. I don't have a job too. Do I have a job? I don't. I'm a full-time pastor at this age. And I'll still have kids. I'll still send them to school. It's a trip. Whatever he blesses you with, in the name of God. Remove yourself from the shoes of those that talk about pastors, offering, and diet. And I'm telling you the truth as a brother. That is the way to go forward in life. That's the way to increase in life. But the enemy is trying to hijack it from a lot of you. Some churches cannot even call tight anymore. They don't call it giving. They have special names for it so that you won't look like we are still collecting tithe and offering. But have those pastors come to your house to beg? Ah, if you stop giving the winners, Bishop will have no choice but to send his private jet. Did he sell it? I know the Holy Spirit asked me to teach this for a reason. And it's for somebody that is here. In fact, for everybody that is here. Let nothing be difficult for you to give to God. Let nothing be difficult for you to give to God. Give Him your time, your life, your resources, anything. Give it to Him. I'm a living witness, living testimony. And you'll see how it will change your life. So right now, just close your eyes. And the only prayer that comes to my spirit right now is more like a repentant prayer. And you say, Father, I'm sorry nothing will be hard for me to give you again go ahead and pray with confidence father i'm sorry nothing will be hard for me to give you again suffice for your work suffice for the growth of the kingdom suffice for the expansion of god's work nothing will be hard for me to give nothing will be hard for me to give in the name of jesus i will give my time i'll give my life i'll give my resources i'll give my wealth I'll give my belongings. I'll give anything you ask me to give. I won't hold back. If it's to serve you in your house, if it's to rededicate my life, whatever it is you want me to do, I will do it. 
because I want to be a responsible Christian. I want to enjoy the promises of the Father. I'm tired of the struggling. I'm tired of living a wasted life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For in Jesus' name, we pray. We believe you have been blessed by this audio podcast, and we never like to close without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you say this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart today, and I am making you the Lord of my life. Amen. Congrats. You are now a child of God. Thank you for listening and downloading Tamiwa Oluen Podcast. We want to take over nations for Christ. Partner with us today by visiting www.heavennation.org forward slash donate. Kindly subscribe to get update of new messages and share with your friends and families. We love you and we celebrate you. Thank you.